WGR. It is the American dream. Dusty Rhodes and Dusty, your fans welcome you back, man. Sports Radio 550. I don't have to say a lot more about the way I feel about Sports Talk Saturday. No respect, no honor. There is no honor among thieves in the first place. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. You don't know what hard times are, Daddy. Hard times are when the textile workers around this country are out of work. They got four or five kids and can't pay their wages, can't buy their food. Hard times are when the auto workers are out of work and they tell them go home. And hard times are when a man has worked at a job 30 years. 30 years. They give him a watch, kick him in the butt, and say, hey, a computer took your place, daddy. That's hard time. Want to talk to the guys on Sports Talk Saturday? Call or text us now. You put hard times on this country by taking Dusty Rhodes out. That's hard time. Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Zach Jones, Josh Schmidt hanging out with you for the next few hours as we are officially one week away from the Bills beginning their preseason schedule as they do take on the Indianapolis Colts at Highmark Stadium next Saturday at 1 p.m. Oh, we're almost there, Josh. We're almost there. We had the Hall of Fame game. We're going to have some games this week coming up. I think on Thursday, I think those are going to start. We'll have some games Uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, which is good. I'm excited. I'm ready to go. I just wanted to start. Like I, we were we, we were talking. We were talking about that before we went on, and like, it's just getting to the point where I'm like, I I don't want to do hypothetical hypotheticals anymore. I just want to be like, okay, this guy is going to do it. Oh look, he's doing it. Or oh look, he's not doing it. Like, no, I just want to get absolutely. to it. Uh, first game is Thursday, August 10th at seven. There we go. Texans there we go. And Patriots. Yes. A little CJ Ooh. Stroud action. Yikes. There we go. There we go. But who's going to who's going to start as quarterback for the Patriots? It will not be Mac Jones. I think it Cole will be Bailey Zappi. Oh, he's an offensive lineman, Joshua. <laughs> I, I know, but it's just it, whenever <laughs> but, whenever I see Cole Strange, I'm like, man, what, that what is, a pick that was. That is the that. Do you think that's the beginning of the end for the Patriots, no. or do you think that was like kind of the last nail in the coffin? I think uh, maybe not even necessarily the last nail, but it was like it, kind of the official confirmation of like, what are they doing? Yeah, like yeah. now we could all kind of sit there openly, be like, no, Bailey, Bailey Zappi. Bailey Zappi will probably start. Who's their third quarterback? I don't even know. Do they know. have one? Oh, they, yeah. I feel like they definitely have <laughs> it, one. They do, but like... Because it'll, be, it'll just be like a rookie that they drafted this year. But, but personally, though, I think Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi are the same person. We've never seen them in the same room at the same time. Nope, hasn't happened. Like, it's just... I, they're the same person. They look the same. They throw the same. They play the same. They're not good players. Like... <laughs> They're just not good players, simply put. And, I, well, that's my thing. Is like, the Patriots are building their roster... Like it is the early 2000s of just it's, like, yeah. I just need accuracy. I don't need an athlete playing quarterback. I just need, you know, good defense, good run game. They did get a good cornerback with Christian Gonzalez. Very excited about that. Uh, and Trace McSorley. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Are we going to see a Trace McSorley preseason game? Oh, yeah, we absolutely are. And we're also going to see Malik Cunningham in number 64. I'm stoked for that. That's going to be good. Ew. That's going to be good. Ew. Are we going to get back on the – should we get back on the uh, numbers – no, the numbers ran. <laughs> Absolutely not. I remember I made you really upset the one time. It's no, it's just because I'm a stickler for correct numbers. The aesthetic is incredibly important, Josh. It is incredibly important. So when a forward in hockey wears number seventy nine, just makes your skin See, crawl. I, no, but here, hockey's a weird one. Okay, because like like a forward could wear like a number in the sixties, and I'm like that might look good. 
Like that looks right, what not about, bad. Okay, what if Tage Thompson wore number six? It looks awful. Why? That, that looks terrible. But why? Number six doesn't look correct in any sport, including football. Bill Russell, I guess, made it work in basketball. I'm trying to think. And that's like it. I mean, former Sabres wearing number six, Marco Scandella. Eric Johnson is wearing number six. Figure it out. Don't wear it. Wear um, something else. I mean. That is <laughs> terrible. It's a bad looking number. Tell me a good quarterback who's worn the number six. I can't. You can't do it. I can't. Mark Sanchez is the best one. Ooh. That is not a good company to be a part of. It's not. You know what are good quarterback numbers? Honestly, and and Rodgers is wearing it this year. Eight's pretty good. Seven's pretty solid. Four. How do you feel about 17? 17, it took me a little bit. I'm, I'm going to be honest. When, like, when really? I, Allen was clearly going to wear it when he got drafted here. No one was wearing number 17. He wore it at college. Like, I was fine with that. Um, Eric Johnson's worn six his whole career, so figure it out. We're he's, a different number, <laughs> but he's he's one of the better. Figure it out. He's been one of the better defensemen in the league. Great has not changed career. my opinion. Has not changed my opinion on it. All right, looks bad. Okay, what if a quarter? But so, but what, Allen, what, no. is, what is a like? Where's the no no zone for of, quarterbacks? For, like, where does it start? Seventeen? No, 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 no. <laughs> well, it, I, I can't say it necessarily starts anywhere specifically. The one quarterback number I truly think is is. Just abhorrent and just truly disrespectful as nineteen. It looks horrible. I don't know. I what do you mean you don't know? I just look, look, picture it in your eyes. I'm trying. I'm trying. And I, what you're going to picture hard. is Johnny Unitas, a great quarterback from the '60s, yeah. genuinely ahead of his time, mm-hmm. throwing the ball like he can't do it. He looks unathletic when he throws the football. <laughs> he was ahead of his time. He was amazing. Mm-hmm. Don't give me Joe Namath. I will take Johnny Unitas every day of the week when it term, in terms of 50s and 60s quarterback. I don't even have to think about it. Louisville legend. But he throws the ball incorrect. I think it was Louisville, right? Who? Joe Namath? Joe, no, Johnny Unitas. Or was it uh, Louisville or Cincinnati? I got to now check. For, for college, I'm saying. I got to check now. Because he was he was not a highly picked guy. You no. Namath was. It was it was Louisville. It was Louisville. Yep. But yeah, no, like it's it's he threw the ball like he didn't know how to throw the ball. It worked. It's the same with Philip Rivers. But on my negativity with number seven, really until Allen, partially it was the throwing motion of Philip Rivers. It aesthetically looked horrible. It still does. Oh, Philip Rivers. It's the worst thing yeah. in the world. No, it's it, he was a great quarterback, but. Just didn't look. I could, at I the same time, though, who cares if you don't look good doing it? If you win, who cares? No, no, the aesthetic is a huge part of it. This is why I've been a big proponent of of the the white face masks on the, on the, all the white uniforms for the Bills. Okay, big proponent of that. Josh wearing the blue helmet yesterday to start the, that was, to start practice was a great look, better than the red helmets. But what would you pair other than the white? You could only really pair that blue exactly. with the white. It'd be awesome. And you're right, it would be awesome. It'd be, awesome. <laughs> It'd be amazing. How does how does that work? Like is that considered an alternate uniform then? Or is well, that well, considered just like the, the reason why we're getting a lot of these team alternates is they're bringing in th- uh, I think it's like second helmets that you can right, wear a different right. helmet and that's the why the Bills getting... always just wear a white helmet with yeah. the with the buffalo on it. And, it and you'll get the standing buffalo when they go back to the 60s. Well yeah, and, right. but it, but ultimately you're right, it's the same helmet. They're they just have the 60s logo instead of the current well, Bills logo. But but I'm I'm saying like they have with that blue helmet that Allen wore yesterday. Yeah. Obviously it it's not like a oh look at what we're gonna do. He didn't even wear it during practice. He no, took it off before he just practice revealed started. it and was like, "Hey guys, look what I made." Um, <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Um, but that would so that would constitute having to make up a whole new jersey, pretty much, or a whole new uniform 
It, it could be the Maybe. same. It could be the same like jersey and pants, but you'd have to approve it by the league. Yeah, because right? okay. ultimately, like Cleveland had to do that this year too, because they have their white out. They, they yep. have the white helmet now. The Eagles kind of do the same thing with bringing back the Kelly Green look and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I mean, yeah, there there is okay that line that makes sense. I just I. I don't know. I, I want some flair. Oh, I want some pizzazz. Yeah, I, I do, too. Like, like That's my thing. Is I really like where the Bills uniforms are currently. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't have many complaints, and I think that's why I haven't been the biggest proponent of we need another alternate uniform. Because honestly, as well, the Bills are playing a ton of teams in alternate uniforms. <laughs> yeah. They get the Jets week one in their... Um, their throw their 1980s throwbacks and then they also get the Eagles and the Kelly Greens like I'm good on that like that's awesome that'll be a lot of fun but it's just I'm getting I'm getting kind of bored of just the same white helmet well I, like, I, it's been their look since 2011 like we're yeah. over 10 years now no I I get it it's just let's mix it up a little let's have some fun with it you know like that blue helmet was fun it was a lot of it fun it would look really good on top of a white jersey i i need someone to photoshop that by the way if anyone's out there and they're good with yeah, photoshop i don't have photoshop abilities i, 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 I would have but I, I don't have those abilities i took a class on it in high school but high school was 7 years ago so yeah like i've lost all those abilities yeah like no thanks um, <laughs> no thanks but i don't know I, you're right though we are seeing a lot of alternate jerseys oh and I, and i love it don't get me wrong like i've i'm all about more flashy have a good like have a good time with it i'm a big fan of it my problem is with the Bills, I have a tough time because I like the uniforms now. And I don't really need, like, an aggressive change. Yeah. Where I'm seeing with a lot of these alternates, Cleveland finally doing an all-white look is really cool. Because Cincinnati did it the year prior, and that was really cool. Have you ever seen – I think they're kind of just, like, fan helmets you can buy. Mm-hmm. The white with the red and black. Where it's a Ooh. white background with a buffalo – a black buffalo and then the red outline around the buffalo. And then there's oh, the, yeah, the yeah. stripes on the forehead are uh, black and then red in the middle. How would you feel about, like, I mean, that would be a drastic change. A Bills mm-hmm. jersey that's black, right, white, black, and red. That would be a drastic change. But how would you feel if they did that for, like, one year? I don't want the as Bills As an to, alternate, as an alternate. Yeah, I, I don't want the Bills to ever incorporate black into the uniforms. It's no. never been okay. a thing. They, they, well, yeah, no, that's right. I, it's and, just, and that's where it's like, we've had teams do that. The Eagles, I think, are maybe the most famous for, like, mm-hmm. black was never See, one I, of their colors. I and like then, the black jerseys the Eagles wore. Well, I mean, don't get me wrong. Green pops with black. Yeah. It, like, that black made a ton of sense. Yeah. But I'm just like, it's not. Black and red work. Yeah, but it's like you said, it's never been part of the Bills. The Cardinals uniform. do that now. I yeah. mean, the Cardinals' main colors are red and white, and they were like, "I'll oh, throw black in there too," and it, it just it looks good. Yeah, black and red looks good. White and green looks really good. But I I, I, I love the Bills jerseys. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's just I just want some change every once in a while. You know, like, I do too. I like I, that's my that's my fears. Like I'm gonna be that old guy when the Bills uniforms get changed. And I'm gonna be mad about it probably because no. I I love where they're at now. And it, I'm gonna. It's gonna take a lot for me to like be like well, they need to be changed because like I and I've said this a few weeks ago too. Is I couldn't stand the early 2000s navy blue jerseys. Couldn't stand them. Was not a fan at all. I just I don't mind them. You don't mind the navy blue ones? We've had this discussion. I know. I know. I, 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 I kind of like it. I hated it. A lot of it too. It's the boxy look, like the away yeah. Uniforms. No, I didn't. I don't. Terrible. I, I, I like. I like the. The color of the navy blue, I just mm-hmm. didn't like the way it was laid, like the way the jersey was laid out, the striping and everything. Yeah, they were very loser uniforms. <laughs> you were not making the playoffs in those uniforms. But if you take if you take the jerseys the Bills have now and you just swap the royal blue with a navy blue, I think it works. It could work. It could because work. it's because it's different striping. It's different like just layout on the jersey. Mm-hmm. I just I think that was the main problem with those navy blue jerseys was how they were laid out. 
also I'm scrolling through like just I, I searched Buffalo Bills helmets on Google and went to the images and obviously like there's a lot of just pictures of the helmets but there's some concept ideas and I see one with a blue face mask on a white helmet they did that in the 80s they did that in the 80s when Jim Kelly first oh, okay. played here I think in 86 or 87 I think it was his first year it's it's not, not a bad look man bad, it's not a bad just, look it looks weird it do- yeah it's a little weird all right let's go to the phones we've got Rick hanging on the line Rick welcome to the show how are we doing today Hey guys, uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I wanted to comment on the preseason game, but first, give my opinion on the jersey thing. Hockey versus football totally works totally different in my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, like James Cook wearing number four seems super uh, modern, offensive, but a forward wearing number four in hockey just seems it's vile. It's vile. Just absolutely vile. Absolutely, just super weird. Um, when it comes to the preseason game, uh, I feel like, and I want to know what you guys think, it could just be one catch Dalton Kincaid makes, seam route, 20 yards, touchdown, and the buzz is going to go. The buzz is already there. The buzz is going to go through the roof. Mm-hmm. And I think the same thing if he goes, you know, I, they're probably not going to be out there, the starters, for that long. Uh, if they go, you know, no targets for him on the day. And maybe the buzz won't be that bad because, uh, like I said, they might only have, like, one possession or something for the starters. But if they do throw that touchdown pass or that, you know, 20-yard over-the-middle pass uh, to the middle of the field, I feel like the fan base is going to go crazy. And I just want to know what you guys thought about that. Yeah, absolutely, Rick. Thanks for the call. I will say on that, like, the buzz is already getting to that point where it's, it's it's almost through the roof. It, every national person, every person that covers college players and prospects mm-hmm. have not said a bad thing about Kincaid no. as a player, they, yeah. especially coming to the Bills. And then you've seen now to start, pre, or to start training camp and going in. I know he had a drop yesterday, but for the most part, he's been spectacular mm-hmm. throughout camp. If we do have preseason game one, and he's a rookie, so I do actually do imagine he'll play – Maybe not quite a bit, but definitely he'll play on Saturday. Do you think, do you think Allen will play on Saturday? Uh, not week one. I'm just thinking just because it's home. It's the only home preseason game. Oh, then maybe. Then maybe. I like, forgot that it's the only home preseason game. There's a good chance he plays but, then. But do you think he'll – like if there if he does, do you think it'll be like end of the game or beginning of the game? No, it'll be beginning of the game. You think so? He'll okay. go out first drive if, if he does play. And just... Well, first drive, torch. The Colts, and then just and then sit leave. on the bench the and then rest leave. of the day. <laughs> but, well, now you know what? No, because you're right. It's the only home preseason game. Maybe they do treat the first preseason game then as maybe more like the second one where – because now there's only three, and the second right. one is typically where it's like we're going to do a little bit more of a dress rehearsal into the third game, which is everyone that's fighting for a roster spot, you're going in. Well, yeah, and I think I think also with this whole battle for cornerback two, I think we're going to really see that emerge in the second game. Yeah, because then that's likely when you're getting the big rotations going on, yeah. and, and we're 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 gonna make sure this is found out. Like the out second game, it'll before. probably the second game. It could be somebody, something like Dane Jackson and Kyrie Elam are one and two, because you're not gonna have Trey White start. Actually, in, yeah, you're pro- you're probably right. Like, it Trey, honestly might be that way in the first game. Yeah, for most of it as well, and but, then, of course you're gonna throw Benford in there yep, as well. So yep. I mean, yeah, you're probably right. One and two is is likely when that's gonna be decided, and they're gonna want to know. I mean, McDermott has talked about like you know when you know, but mm-hmm. you, you want to figure it out. It's, it's, 
quickly I, as possible. Do you think all all three of them are going to make the roster, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Ben, Benford has been a great pickup for them as a seventh-round pick. He's mm-hmm. been great. Elam, of course, he's fine. Like it's just more you'd like to see him take over Dane Jackson. Well, it's the, and Dane it's Jackson the value. As well. It's the value thing. It's, yeah, exactly. It's, he was a first round pick, and you want him to do good. But at the same time, Dame Jackson, Dane Jackson has been there. Yeah. He's been very, you know, reliable. Mm-hmm. It's not like he's making these poppy plays, but yeah, I mean, he's he's making it work though. I, like that was that's always been my frustrating thing, and Sal said it with us too. And he's absolutely right. Kyrie Elam was playing well in the second half of the season. It just for more for me frustratingly is he just has been able to overtake Dane Jackson, and part of that is coming. He's learning a completely new system or a style of play for the cornerback position. If I do Ky- want to answer Rick's point though on Kincaid, mm-hmm. he will play. I think quite a bit. On you think Saturday. he'll play all three? Uh, no, not all three. I don't think he'll play the third one. He's definitely playing first and second, and I think the first one because it is his first NFL action. You'll see quite a bit of Kincaid. That's where I'm interested to see how much they are actually implementing him into the offense. Mm-hmm. How often are you throwing him the ball? They also I don't even might... think it will just be like a one catch, twenty yards. Like if Kincaid goes out there game one, and because he's kind of going to be the only guy out there that might be on the first team offense mm-hmm. that is consistently out there. If he ends with like seven catches for let's say let's say seven catches, seventy five yards, something like that, and a touchdown, that's all we'll talk about. Oh yeah, I just I just wonder though, like. One, how will he? Because right now, I mean, it's training camp, so he's catching passes from multiple guys. But mm-hmm. in that in-game situation where you're playing at full speed, how is it gonna? How is the pass going to compare from Josh Allen to Kyle Allen to Matt Barkley? You well, know, with, like with, with Josh like, and Kyle, not not like, in terms of velocity, not aggressively different, right? Because Allen. Or, Kyle Allen, I, I now forgot that they both have the same last name. Kyle Allen. <laughs> they're not related, though. They're not related. Sadly. But Kyle Allen also has a whip of a right arm. Yeah. But Barkley, I'm just, I, we were talking about it yesterday. Barkley's the one who, I mean, you're going to see a drastic difference in arm strength. I'm just more saying, though, like, if Kincaid struggles when, you know, the backup quarterbacks are throwing him the ball, you got to slow it down and look at, like, okay, was it his fault? Or yeah, where, where was the where, pass? Where was the pass and whose fault really was it? And it's not that it would be, you know, like, egregiously like one way or the other but at the same time like it is a backup quarterback throwing to potentially a starting tight end well it's the thing i mean if he's just dropping passes that like are in his hands that's on that's him. on but, him. but if it's like all right that just sailed over his head or, or whatever it is it's like yeah. okay i want to see kincaid more with allen i but think at we'll the same at least time, see a drive with kincaid and allen yeah but even then i don't know how much they're going to throw it to him on a single drive if you're but if you're sitting here saying that kincaid is the best pass catcher in the draft and all this stuff and he's getting his hands on the ball mm-hmm I I want catches like if it, yep. like unless it's like something crazy where it's like way ahead of him and he just gets his fingertips on it that's mm-hmm. one thing but if you can touch the ball and you're talked about as this great catcher then yeah that's like, the thing it's like the, the hype now is kind of dictated like y- you gotta perform and 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 I mean there is there is what's the word there's like a margin there where you oh yeah like, yeah, yeah there's, there's a margin gonna be dro- yeah. like not everyone drops or not everyone catches everything thrown to them. You know, I, mean, like, I think he had like maybe not two drops, but I know he had a big drop yesterday, followed then by Dawson Knox also having a pretty big drop. So yeah, like, it happens. It but happens. It's like you don't want to like in the preseason is where you want to see that really. Like I'm okay with seeing passes dropped in the preseason. When you're in the regular season, that's when you should have worked all that out and you should be good to go. But then again, he's a rookie, so it's it's there's many facets here to where you have to take into account. Like okay, he's a rookie, but he's also 
highly touted as mm-hmm. his pass catching yeah. tight end, but he's also a rookie. Like he's going to take some time to get in there and be consistent, unless he's yeah. consistent right away. Well, That'd and, be... and that's the thing. Like he, he's ultimately he's coming in in a very high floor as well. He's twenty three. He's going to be turning twenty four in the middle of the season, so he's coming in in a high floor. His thing is, I don't want to see him or us having the same conversations we had about Dawson Knox's rookie year, mm-hmm. who did not have nearly the reps people had coming into the NFL typically. He had, I think, six total catches in college. He it he was not was used. low. I, it, I looked it up yeah. yesterday. Let me see if I can He find was it. not used really at all. And then Isaiah McKenzie last year, we were talking about consistently on third downs, he was not coming up with a big play. That's where Kincaid needs to look above and beyond the guys he is replacing. But, well, not I guess not replacing in Knox's case, but being used alongside of with Knox. I don't want to have the same rookie year that he had. And he needs to be better than McKenzie was last year because McKenzie ultimately is not on this roster because of how unreliable he be- he turned out to be in that slot position. Kincaid seems to be sliding right into that position as I'm just bigger, not nearly as fast, but I'm bigger, better hands, better route runner, more typically, I guess. But I, like that's where I need to see him shine. And it seems like in the preseason, at least in the first-team offense, he might be the only guy that we're seeing regularly because he is a rookie that needs game reps to get used to the NFL speed. He seems to be the guy that is going to get, I think, most of the reps. We'll see if that ends up being wrong. But McDermott's kind of been a coach that does like to play his players in the preseason. He'll at least play guys, even if the division's locked up the last week, at least for a half, just to so you're not rusty or anything like that. He seems to be that coach. Mm-hmm. So I do imagine Kane will play quite a bit in the first two games, maybe not the entire game. I wouldn't want to see that. I, I do expect him to start week one and play potentially a pretty pivotal role. But I do want to see him be used. And, and like to your point, too, I want to see catches. This is why yeah. you were drafted, and this is, and we've been hearing about it from McDermott and Bean. He's not going to block. He's here to catch passes. How many drops is too many drops for you? Let's say, let's, like, like let's, in a season, or no, 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 in, in 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 week one of the regular season. Let's say he gets, I don't know, seven targets. Okay. If he, dro- if he drops two of them, I'm kind of concerned. That's a okay. bit aggressive. Okay. Like especially if like let's say all seven are on target. Yeah. I'm going to be kind of concerned because likely those passes are coming on third down or second and mid where it's just like, all right, you catch this first down. That's going to be concerning. One, I'll chalk it up to rookie nerves, whatever. Yeah. Two, I'm like, all right, dude, this is – you were brought in to catch passes. You were the best pass catcher in the now, draft. It also, it also, like, especially in week one, it kind of depends on the defense because the Jets have a really good defense and that could cause him some problems. It could cause everybody some problems. It, it just might be like one of those games. But I think part of it is going to be based on team by team. And another part of it is going to be based on like what point of the season it was at. Like if he starts out the year and he looks shaky, but then as the season goes on, then it's like okay, whatever. He he worked out the kinks of being a rookie in the NFL mm-hmm. in the first few weeks, and now he's ready to go. Which I think is going to be more impressive than well, not more. I don't know. Is it more impressive if a rookie comes in and has issues and then works them out, or is it more impressive when they come in and they're just a gamer right away? Gamer right away. Yeah. I think gamer okay. right away. That's fair. Because I, I just think of the mental aspect of like yeah. working through those issues like in the season, mm-hmm. which I, that's where I kind of value that because like if you're later in your career and you're having issues, then you like, okay, previously in your career, you had these same issues. Work, yeah. You can work your way out of it. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to the phones. We've got Scott in Tonawanda hanging on the line. Scott, welcome to the show. How are we doing today? I'm doing good. Listen, thanks for taking my call here. Uh, first of all, I went to the scrimmage last night, and for being in camp for a week or 10 days or whatever, they, they looked pretty darn sharp. And, mm-hmm. uh, it was very impressive. I mean, I, I don't usually say that, but 
And the second comment I'd like to make is when I got home, I started looking at the AFC rosters of all the teams. And, man, we're stacked. I, I mean, I went up against other teams, the KC and Cincy, and, I mean, they got good rosters. But ours is, especially our offense, it seems like it's just like it don't end. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, we got stuff everywhere. And I'm I'm really, really excited about this season. I think it's the best roster we've had since 1990. I, I really do. Yeah, absolutely. Scott, thanks for the call. This is what I've been saying, though. I fully agree with Scott. I wasn't at last night's practice. I've got to read up on it and see what everyone was saying. Both my mom and dad went, so I got to hear from them, so that was lovely. <laughs> but I heard there was a few drops that, you know, maybe a little bit of rust, but ultimately in terms of how deep this roster is, I think it's better than last year's. And last year following week one, it became a coronation-type atmosphere with the Buffalo Bills. I think this roster is better. You have Von Miller potentially coming back week one. There is potential there that that happens. You add Leonard Floyd. You have another year of A.J. Epinesa and Greg Rousseau. That's just on the defensive edge rushers. You stock up the wide receiver room. You Which bring I, it. You stock yeah. up the the running back room, too. I think the I running mean, back room is better. I think the wide receiver room is personally, better. I think your tight end room is significantly better. Until we talked to Sal yesterday, I thought Latavius Murray was just kind of like one of those, like, all right, in case, break, class, break glass in case of emergency. And, because, and maybe won't even make the team kind of deal. Yeah, but now with what Sal said yesterday about him, where he kind of spoke highly of him, how he's this big guy and he's still got some gas left in the tank, mm-hmm. I'm like... I, at first, I was like, okay, they didn't get that much better at running back in terms of bringing people in, but like James Cook's going to develop. But now, like James but Cook, now, you're right, will develop. Damian Harris, is, and then now if Latavius Murray still got some juice left, and and yeah. this thing, he's not going to have to take up the Derrick Henry type role. He's no. not going to really have to take a much of a backup role either. Just no. come in for uh, certain portions of the offense or certain portions of the game. Could you see him potentially taking some kick returns or punt returns? No, I don't think so. He's, he's, he's not that guy. He's not as. Fast as I think that's where you are going to get like a Khalil Shakir going yeah. in there and stuff yep. like that. I think that's really where he's going to be used. But then even you look at the offensive line. They add in Connor McGovern, and mm-hmm. they draft Osiris Torrance. And Torrance looks like he's going to be out of the gate as a rookie, the starting right guard. Which so, I mean, is like, which is big. I mean, that's potentially that's a you third, hit, yeah. he was a third-round pick, right? Second-round pick second for round, Osiris okay. Torrance. But still, that's a second-round guy that is coming into the league right away. But then as well, with how deep this roster is, if day one you have Dalton Kincaid, your first-round pick, and Osiris Torrance, your second-round pick, both starting in pretty big roles because they're good enough, mm-hmm. that's a home run early. Yeah, and look at look, look at who's behind them. I mean, well, not necessarily with Kincaid. It's Quentin Morris behind him. Who Quentin Morris has the ability he's, he's to athletic, be an NFL tight end. Yeah, but, and then you have Ryan Bates behind Osiris Torrance. And, and really, Bates, like like as Sal was saying yesterday, he might get hurt just because he's versatile. Yeah, where he, yeah, you can't be our starting right guard because we value as being the backup center and the backup guard across the board. Yeah, like he might run into that problem as but Sal was putting where. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the incredible perfect kind depth of to have. Depth. Absolutely, we are going to take a quick timeout. Of course, taking your calls eight zero three zero five fifty. If you were at last night's practice, what were some of your thoughts about the Bills? As we heard from Scott here, and as well, how are we feeling about the Bills? We're officially a week away from their start of the preseason. They're only going to have one preseason game in Buffalo. Will be against the Indianapolis Colts. How are we feeling with just a week away until the preseason starts? We'll be right back. You're listening to Sports Talk Saturday right here on WGR. Coverage of Buffalo Bills training camp on WGR is presented by Admark Construction Equipment and Supplies. The equipment you need when you need it. And brought to you by Beagle Car and Joyce, your border attorney. And by Feel Right Fresh Market. It's where healthy living starts.
I've been spending all morning looking back at former so you, seasons you say, passing leaders. You say you forced me to, but then once I started looking at the numbers, I'm like, all right. It's I, amazing. I can see why you're like oogling over this 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 season, but Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's amazing. He's <laughs> he's a golden retriever. Josh Allen's the modern golden retriever, but Ryan Fitzpatrick was also Ryan that guy. Ryan Fitzpatrick walked so Josh Allen could hurdle. Absolutely. But that 2011 season, I want to talk more about it. We're, we're going to probably do it in the 12 o'clock hour, but that season – in terms of quarterback play, and a lot of people have called it the season of the quarterback and all that. I just, until this morning, I'd forgotten how just insane it was, numbers wise, stats wise, like everything. It was just, it, I don't want to say it was the perfect season. It was not, but it was just definitely the welcome to the modern NFL. Mm-hmm. This is what it's going to be from now but on. Funny and even it, then, I don't know if any seasons really surpassed it. In I, my I was going to say, funny enough, it's never gotten back there. Yeah, it's like, it is just, it is a complete anomaly. Absolutely insane. We'll talk more about that because Ryan Fitzpatrick was, of course, the Bills quarterback in 2011. So we'll talk a little bit about that as well. But I do want to stay on this preseason talk we had going. We took some calls in the first segment. Still looking for yours as well. 803-0550 if you want to join the conversation. But... In terms of what I do want to see in this preseason, Josh, we were talking a little bit about in this last segment. Of just, you know, Kincaid, of course, has become the talking point for the Bills offseason. He was the first round pick. He was kind of a surprise pick as well because of the tight end position. The Bills had just, at the time, the Bills had just paid Dawson Knox a long term extension. And it was, there was kind of this feeling of like, all right, well, Knox is the tight end of the future. Like, they'll just get a backup. And then as the draft got closer, it was like, eh, they want to run more 12 personnel. They're going to need that second tight end. Yeah. And you're getting a very good class with guys like Dalton Kincaid and, of course, Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame. Well, I think that's more of the change of offensive coordinator than yes. anything. I mean, because Knox signed that deal the same offseason that Dable left, correct? Uh, yes, it was last offseason. Yeah. So, I mean, that's where it's like, okay, well, you're bringing Dorsey in knowing like kind of what he wants to do, but... You, like I think at that point, if if I mean hindsight's twenty twenty, but like looking back, it's like okay, yeah, like Dorsey clearly wants to do twelve man. That's why they locked up Knox for a long time, and then they went out and drafted a guy. They just took a, it took a year for them to draft that guy mm-hmm. or find that guy, because as we've said before, OJ Howard was brought in as kind of like a hopeful to work alongside Knox, and it didn't really work out. Yeah, so. Now that we're here, it's kind of like it's been clear all along that they've been trying to find a second Actually, tight end to be. We're with not Knox. even at a year yet when really? Knox signed. Yeah, he signed it. I think it was either September seventh or sixth, but it was a four-year, fifty-three point six million dollar extension. That was okay. before week one. But but that also signs him through the end of Kincaid's rookie deal. Yes, correct. It does. Yeah, so it's through I mean, twenty twenty-six. Uh, uh, it'll be close. No, because yeah. Obviously, Kincaid now has the four-year extension, so it'll be right, close. Right, But uh, so that signs one, him through the 2026 season. But that's that's still, like, that's kind of, like, perfect timing It seems in terms like, that, of, yeah, they want to have both of them ready to go and here yeah, for the foreseeable and, future. And, I mean, who knows what it's going to be like in four years, or three years, that I should say, for, with Knox. But it's like, at that point, do you just start your next process of drafting another tight end mm-hmm. to be with Kincaid? And it's, like, it's very far down the road, but it's yeah. it shows you that... The, the foresight of the Bills management of like, you know, when we were looking at that, it's like, oh, hey, look, Knox is back. And O.J. Howard came in and it's like, all right, well, they like their tight ends. But now it's, okay, this is why they like their tight ends because Dorsey wants to run this 12-man personnel yeah. and Kincaid is just basically a wide just, receiver. I'm so fascinated by him because of the idea of, I, I've been talking about it, this tight end revolution that's coming. I, I mm-hmm. think we're getting very close to tight ends will be some of the highest paid players in football 
because when you have a great tight end, your team typically is very, very good. Look at Travis they're, Kelsey and George Kittle. Yep, they're a, they're a sixth offensive lineman. They can be your best wide receiver at times on the field and your most dangerous weapon because of the mismatch they can be. And now teams are very much using them to be that weapon. Mark Andrews, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz was one of these guys mm-hmm. as well. Dallas Goddard's kind of one of these guys now. Was it fair to say Zach Ertz was kind of like the first of those? Or would it be like him and George Kittle were kind of... Him actually coming, and Kelsey would, would probably think be. Kel- okay. Kel- Kelsey's yeah, been think, going on for a very long time. Yeah, for some but reason. I feel like Ertz was more like in the spotlight for a while, whereas Kelsey has recently came into the spotlight as like yeah, Ertz, the, Ertz, the guy. Ertz broke out first. Just looking at his stats early on in his career, he's 6'5", but he comes in right away out of the gate for the Eagles back in 2013. 57 targets, 37 catches, 469 yards, and four touchdowns. And then he it kind of pops off a little bit in the in the next few years. 58 receptions his second year, just over 700 yards, three touchdowns. And then the next six, five, five years, he is over 100 targets. Wow. The rest of the way, culminating in 2018, 156 targets, 116 catches, just over 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns. He's kind of a guy, I'm not going to lie, I do look at it as sort of like, I would love Kincaid to be Ertz. Yeah. Kelsey, Kelsey's asking a lot. You're asking for a guy that routinely does get over 1,200, 1,300 yards but receiving. But if, if you get a tight end that can consistently get 800 to 1,100 yards... That's one of the best tight ends in football. Yeah. Like, I, I, like I, I do think people do forget that, and, and you hear this when fans of any team are going, but he's always open. Like, you know, he's one of the greatest tight ends of all time. Mm-hmm. He routinely is putting up 1,300, 1,400 yard seasons he's always as open a tight be- end. He's always open because of how good he is. Yeah, he, like, can, he like can, can try your best. He can but. find space like a wide receiver, but he's the size of a lineman. Yeah, he's a or a middle nature. linebacker, whatever. Like, it, it's he's a big dude. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, he he has the vision of a wide receiver and kind of the speed too. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, yeah, it doesn't matter if you're covering him because you're not going to tackle him. You're not going to wrestle the ball away from him. He's a big dude. I mean, he has not had less than a thousand yards since his second or since his third season in the league. He sat out his his whole first year. I think he had an injury. I'm not sure what it was. But even then, his second year in the league, 87 targets, 67 catches, 862 yards, and five touchdowns. His first full season in the league, his first season playing, he was already getting near what I'd like Kid or, or what I would like Kincaid to have maybe regularly mm-hmm. or be around that ballpark. By his third season, he's over a thousand yards. And the last five, six years, he has easily been the best tight end in football. And he's doing that at 29 years old. He's like breaking out being a 1300 yard guy. Like he. That's where Kelsey's so concerning if you're a non-Chiefs fan is that he seemingly got better the older he got. Yeah. And, like, maybe past his prime type stuff. Like, at 29-30, you're expecting a guy to maybe sort of, like you know, peak. see over the hill and we're going to start the downturn a little bit. Yeah. He instead went, no, 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 I have a rocket ship. I'm going to the sun. And you're like, <laughs> oh, all right, cool. <laughs> yeah, because it's like now, cause now that he's, I mean, he's 29 right now or he's 30 right he's now? He's 33 now. Or oh. he's going 34. He, he, he started to really break out into, like, right. I'm Sorry. consistently a thousand-year guy at 29. I got... You got sidetracked. I was, okay. I was, well, okay, I was watching, full transparency, I was watching the championship soccer game we had on because a coach got a red card. Oh, that's awesome. So that's something you don't normally see. So it's kind of, I'm sorry about that. But now it's like, when does he, when is the downturn? What's well, He's going to turn 34 in the middle of the season in October. And you I think have, 36. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I'm, but, I'm not going to say it's also Mahomes still throwing yeah. to him. It's, if, if Mahomes was also at the end of his career, then I'd say, okay, they're going to start declining at the same time. But Mahomes is not. He's getting him at his I, peak. I, I think Mahomes is still on his way up. Yeah, he's, he's well within his peak. Like, there's not, I, I would say within like the next three or four years, you could maybe say, 
because I don't I just I don't know if Mahomes or Allen will both be guys that play into their forties. I don't think so. I don't but, know. I it kind of depends because I mean Mahomes, Allen plays a very run style of play. Yeah, so Mahomes, it's like Mahomes he, really runs in the playoffs. And that's about it. He for the most right, part will right. just extend plays, and that's about it. He does yeah, not run like, the way Mahomes Allen does. isn't taking as big of a hit as Allen is usually. usually. I mean, there's times where you you can see it, but like Mahomes is pretty well protected, and he's pretty good at getting away from issues mm-hmm. now i will say a player i'm going to compare kelsey to just in terms of we could maybe see the downturn coming up but he's still going to be very good for the next few years is actually terrell owens at wide receiver mm. to at age 34 which is the age kelsey's going into for the dallas cowboys 81 catches 1300 yards and 15 touchdowns funny enough that is kind of what kelsey does last year at the age of 33 110 catches, 1,300 yards, and 12 touchdowns. But after that, he has one more season in Dallas, barely over 1,000 yards, 10 touchdowns. Has his season in Buffalo where he doesn't even hit 1,000 yards, and then Cincinnati, and then he's done at 37. I think you could potentially be seeing that with Kelsey. That will maybe think, see the downturn coming up. But think about the quarterbacks Terrell Owens had. Well, that's I mean, fair. I mean, he, like had, he, had, he had Tony Romo there in those last few years with Dallas, mm-hmm. Ryan Fitzpatrick, and then I think that was Andy Dalton by 2010. Hmm. So, I mean... But, that, but that's the thing. Like, like, will Mahomes extend Kelsey's career? Potentially, but it I think also, it'll it add also maybe like be, a year or two. I yeah. don't think it'll add more than two it was, years. It was Carson Palmer's, not Andy Dalton yet. But, but, the even then, but even then, I mean... You can only extend it for so long. If he's not getting open the same way he was, if he's not the same physical presence that he was, Mahomes rightfully probably will stop targeting him nearly as much. Right now, he is the ultimate weapon in the NFL in terms of the tight end position. You cannot stop him. He is a serious problem. Mm-hmm. He will get his every single time. You basically just have to stop everyone else. Yeah. The Mahomes-Kelsey it, connection will happen. Yeah, if you can limit everything else, then maybe you can stop them, or maybe you can just slow them down. That you, can, you can figure it out. That's yeah. kind of the way it's going to go. What made them so dangerous for years was... You could stop Kelsey, but great, now you have to deal with the tight ends. Or, I'm excuse you have to deal with Hill. And that's a nightmare. Yeah. So you, or you stop Hill, if great, the Chiefs, Kelsey's getting his. If the Chiefs still had Tyreek Hill, I mean... They, <laughs> they, were, they were one of the most freaky offenses ever assembled. Mm-hmm. Because you had maybe the best tight end ever in Kelsey entering his prime. You get a quarterback who in his first season playing the game throws 50 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And then you had Tyreek Hill, the fastest player in the NFL at the time. And not to mention you had the defense. You did also have Kareem Hunt there for a little bit. Holmes just misses him because he decided to do some not great stuff off the field and get sent to Cleveland. But there was a time there that you looked at the Chiefs' offense and went, oh, that actually might be the best offense ever. Well, you like, also just, just playmakers assembled. It could have been. You can also look at the defense, too, because like the whole mm-hmm. team, I mean, they had Tyron Matthew, they had Frank Clark. Like It, it was just this that Chiefs. Like two or three years for the Chiefs was just you're not beating them. No, it, and it, it felt like you just you had to get them on their worst day. We finally saw a bad Mahomes playoff game just two years ago against mm-hmm. Cincinnati in the AFC Championship game. Yep. Up to that point, it was it didn't matter. It, they could have started slow. That's fine. They were going to turn it on. Mm-hmm. That 2019 run that they had to the Super Bowl, they were behind in every single playoff game. The Houston game specifically, I think they were down 24 seven. They were leading at halftime. That was the most vile team ever in terms of what they could do to your defense in a moment's notice. It's like playing Madden on rookie mode. Yep. They would they would be like, I want a little bit of a challenge. And about midway through, like, this is hard. I'm going to go back to rookie and just annihilate the <laughs> opponent. Like, that's what they were doing. 
I like what the Bills have done to set that up. I think Diggs is one of the top five receivers in football. Allen's a top three quarterback in football. Kincaid might be a special tight end. And then they've gotten deeper. This is the thing as well. The Chiefs necessarily weren't the deepest roster, but when you have Hill and Kelsey, it allowed guys like right. Nicole Hardman to just be wide open as a third wide receiver. Yeah, like and you and you didn't necessarily need backups for like guys on like the line and and guys on defense because the guys you had at the well, yeah. starter spot, it didn't matter because they who, were going to be fine. They had one of the best offensive lines in football as well. Yeah, for much of the early parts of of uh, Mahomes' career, I think now I said it yesterday, and we've had some people agree with us as well. I think this offensive skill position room is the deepest and best Allen's ever had in his career with the Buffalo Bills. He has had great players with him. John Brown and Cole Beasley for those two years were great for Allen. And that, like I said yesterday, like it, you could add those two into this room, but I, I don't really know if they overtake a guy. Like If you take prime Cole Beasley or prime John Brown and you add it to this room, I don't think they overtake Deontay Hardy. Beasley probably overtakes Hardy at least you in the slot, so? at least oh, in the okay, slot yeah. role. But and, then and, Hardy just becomes a McKenzie plus in the McKenzie role, right? From a few years ago, where yeah. it's like, yeah, but he's like the best gadget player. Because you can you can look at you can look at most of the players on this roster and compare them to previous players and say, okay, this like like you just said, Hardy is McKenzie but better. Mm-hmm. Hardy is Beasley. Well, I don't know about but better, but he, Kincaid maybe though. Is Kincaid, Kincaid Kincaid is, might be Beasley. Yeah. In those years, but the difference was Beasley would catch the ball and go down. And I mean, in terms of Kincaid could extend a lot. I mean, that's been a big thing too that we haven't really gotten there with the Bills' offense yet, and they've wanted to for a few years, which is run after catch. Yeah, Kincaid with his size at the tight end position really could add that in spades. Something that the Bills just have not been able to have, and partially because of how Allen throws the ball and also the routes they run. I would love to us eventually get this run after catchability that they seemingly just have not been able to get. We are going to take a quick timeout. Still looking for your calls, 803-0550. How are we feeling? A week away from the start of the Bills preseason. We are almost there to week one, September 11th. They'll take on the New York Jets at New York. That should be fun. Cannot wait for that. Again, looking for your calls, 803-0550. Zach Jones, Josh Schmidt. You're listening to Sports Talk Saturday right here on WGR. Coverage of Buffalo Bills training camp on WGR is presented by Admark Construction Equipment and Supplies. The equipment you need when you need it. And brought to you by Fiegel Car and Joyce, your border attorneys. And by Feel Right Fresh Markets. It's where healthy living starts. You can listen to every Bills game, along with all the music and news that Buffalo needs, right here on the free Odyssey app. Download it today. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Let's get connected to our fans. Put out a tweet earlier today. If you were at last night's return of the blue and red practice, what were some of your thoughts you had on what you saw? Scott tweets in some rough drops by the tight end, albeit believe Bernard did tip one and Gabe Davis. However, a nice run by Cook. And I love Kincaid and Knox being on the field at the same time. And Shakir's goal line tutty was chef kiss. Um, Shakir's, Shakir's an interesting one. We heard from Sal a few times yesterday. And he was saying that Shakir was somebody that needed a big day, that there were some drops in practice. He was not having the most smooth camp, especially as a guy who is potentially trying to take up that slot receiver role, maybe a third wide receiver, both outside and slot. And he's not had the greatest camp. And to be honest, he's going up against, I think, stiff competition in Trent Sherfield and Deontay Hardy. So it's it's good to hear that Shakir had a nice catch yesterday because there were times last year, Josh, he looked like he should be starting over Isaiah McKenzie by like week five, it felt like. He was such a smooth wide receiver. And honestly, that playoff game against Miami as well, 
He had a few plays. Big, big deep ball drop. But he had a few plays where I was like, he's that dude. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> I remember like yelling to Bulldog. Me and him were talking about it. I'm like, I'm like, what are we doing? Like, he should be playing. And then now we, we're here, and I'm like, hey, maybe not. Like, I mean, they, well, they brought think, in a lot of talent. I think Shakir, it might just be like a t- it just going to take time. I mean, like I said, well, like I mean, I, he was a fifth round rookie last year. Yeah, too. and I, I always bang the drum on: do not ever rush a rookie. Never ever rush a rookie. Look what happened. I mean, obviously it's a different sport, mm-hmm. but look what happened to Mikhail Gregorenko. Look what happened to Zemgus Gergen. Disasters. Casey Middlestat. Disasters. If, if that, if that is a prime example. Is Casey Middlestat? But you, you just don't want to rush rookies. You want to give them the time to you know come into their own. And I think getting a guy like Sherfield and Hart, getting guys like Sherfield and Hardy. Is going to help him kind of insulate and and take more time and have allows you to be patient with him. Yeah, and, and and you can say to him, "Look, you're going to have like a lot less time, but when we give you the time, you need to act on it." Yeah. And like, I mean, as a professional athlete, you have to be aware of like, okay, this is my moment. I need mm-hmm. to go out there and take it. And I think that kind of drives players to do better. I think so. In the regular season, he had 20 targets, only 10 catches, 161 yards, and a touchdown. But in the playoffs, in two games, seven targets, five catches for 91 yards. And one of those targets that he did not catch was a deep ball that he really should have come down with. So he I remember he, def- that one. he definitely turned it on in the playoffs. Hopefully we'll get to see a little bit more of Shakir, especially in the preseason. He seems to be one of those guys that we very much be seeing quite a bit of in the preseason, like we did last year, I'm which also, is where the hype started. I'm interested about Justin Shorter as well. I am very interested in him. Sal said it yesterday. He looks the part of an NFL wide receiver. Mm-hmm. He, he just might be, ultimately for him, on a bad roster to be yeah. a wide receiver where it's like, where do I go? Well, where, where, but it, where it, am I needed? It's It still comes down to Hardy is on a two-year deal. Sherfield's on a one-year deal. What's going to happen with Gabe Davis? Mm-hmm. What's going to happen with Khalil Shakir? I think, honestly, I think Shorter might be in an okay spot. Where all of a sudden it's like, hey, we're just, you're going to be on special teams, yeah. keep getting better, and you could be that guy next year that yeah. has the magnifying glass on him going, all right, he might be he well, might be that, a guy here. That's the thing with Shakir, and also I think it's with, with Kincaid as well, is those two are so under the microscope. And it's same with Elam. Mm-hmm. Like the three of them are just so – Overanalyzed because it's like, what are they going to do? What do we, what do we expect out of them? What's going to happen? Yep. It's just let them go play football and see what happens. It's it, yeah. it, 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 at a certain point, especially with Elam, I think it has to be. It doesn't matter if he was first round. It doesn't matter where he was drafted. We're just going to talent. Be with him. The talent's going to shine through, and he's going to be fine. Yeah, absolutely. Let's take another quick timeout, and of course, coming up at one thirty today, we will hear a little bit from the Bears. Zach Pearson of Bear Report will join us again at one thirty. Me and Josh, though. Next hour, we're going to jump in a little bit more on that 2011 passing season, the season of the quarterback. I think one of the craziest seasons in the NFL, especially at the quarterback position. I want to dive more into that. And, of course, we're taking calls, 803-0550. We'll do that when we come back. You're listening to Sports Talk Saturday right here on WGR. Coverage of Buffalo Bills training camp on WGR is presented by Admark Construction Equipment and Supplies, the equipment you need when you need it. And brought to you by Fiegel Car and Joyce, your border attorneys. And by Feel Right Fresh Markets, it's where healthy living starts.